So uh, God had it set up when they saw solar lunar eclipses on their holidays, they were to pay attention. Well, so I saw these four blood moons and I was wondering how often does this happen? Then when I researched it, I went to NASA's website. The last time it happened was 1967 when Israel captured Jerusalem. And the time before that was right after 1948, 1949, when Israel became a nation. I was blown away. Then I looked again, and the time before that was like 500 years earlier. It was 1492, when all the Jews were kicked out of Spain. And so I'm going back in time, and I'm seeing every time this happened, uh, there were huge historical events that had happened with Israel. With Israel. It is important to note that most of the main coverages on your home insurance are percentages based off your primary home coverage. For example, the insurance for permanent non-attached structures on your property is normally only 10% of your home coverage. So for the tribulation prepper, that may not cover the apocalypse bunker, the greenhouse, the storage shed, the backup storage shed, the solar panel array, or the electrified perimeter fence. That's why it's important to review your coverage with the Better Insurance Agency to make sure that you not only have the right rates, but the right coverage in case you need to file a claim pre-tribulation. Because let's face it, either you should have a fully insured, fully functioning, self-sustaining, off-the-grid shelter that you put all your hard work and effort into, or you can just be raptured one day and leave it for the next guy. Visit us at thebetterquote.com to make sure you are properly covered. Once again, that's thebetterquote.com. Only available in Virginia and Tennessee. Hey, this is Trey Smith with The Dig Podcast. God bless every last one of you on the other side of the screen. We should read our Bible as men digging for buried treasure. The Bible Fly. You ain't got it so far, then. There are secret societies. 
think that they are descendants of the giants. I mean, isn't it, isn't this exciting? I mean, you read it like, wow. I mean, it's the Nephrology Roundtable. But these angels were taken to help the immediate. Do not pass go to Max like two hundred dollars. You're out of the game. Dirty hands means clean theology. Can you dig it? Uh, what's going on, all my local guys and gals and long-distance pals? And I have no Ben or Steven to say that we're back today. I'm the Lone Ranger, so uh, but they're going to regret they missed this one. Uh, I have a, just a, a mind-blowing episode for you guys today. I know you're going to truly enjoy it. If you've listened to some of our other episodes, I've mentioned about uh, you know Jewish holidays and how they coincide with uh, prophecy and with the death and resurrection of Christ and just all these things that you've heard me mention. I, I'm sure you've heard me refer to Mark Viltz and his uh, book, uh, God's Daytimer. Well, I reached out to Mark, and he was nice enough to come sit down with us and just blow all of our minds today. So we're extremely thankful for that. And uh, I've been excited for this conversation for quite some time. So uh, since we, I don't have anybody to have small talk banter with today, we'll just jump right into prayer and uh, let's get going. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for all the many blessings that you've given us. Uh, we're just uh, thankful to be able to live in a country where we can sit and discuss your word and, and dig into all these these mysteries and and breadcrumb trails that you've left for us to find those who seek uh we we thank you for our today's guest we thank you for the discernment that you've given him and uh for all his diligence in uh studying your word and uh writing these things down for us father we just uh we're thankful for him and for, for his time and we just pray that this message today reaches who it needs to reach amen amen well mark how are you doing I'm doing really good. I'm uh, starting a new book. I'm going to be writing on the Song of Songs, and then I'm going to write another book on replacement theology. Nice. Uh, we were talking pre-roll. I can't remember exactly how I got exposed to your material, but once I did, I was uh, just extremely thankful that I did. It was just so enlightening, all the things that uh, you have written about. Uh, for those that's not familiar with your work, just introduce yourself, uh, what, you know, what are your hobbies, your interests, and what led you to looking to the, you know, the stars and uh, the, the deeper, you know, meanings of, of the Bible. Well, sure, and feel free to jump in any time if you want to. I don't mind if you want me to clarify something. But <clears throat> for me, I got, you know, not going too far back in history, but uh, I am Jewish on my father's side. Uh, and I have relatives who died in the Holocaust that are listed in Israel in Yad Vashem uh, or the Holocaust Museum. But it is on my father's side, not my mother's side. <clears throat> I was raised Catholic for 19 years, uh, and then I got saved. And I was in uh, the independent Pentecostal movement for about 20 years. Uh, and then for the last 27 years, I've been studying the Bible from more of a Hebraic perspective. Uh, what I like to say is I know how to eat chicken. I can eat the meat and throw out the bone. Well, <laughs> yes, Judaism has a bunch of bones in it, but so does Christianity. Uh, and I'm not going to turn down a T-bone steak because there's a bone in it. Uh, you know, so for me, it, it's a matter of knowing how to sort 
and uh, I learned how to study, how the Jewish people studied, and that opened up a world to me because back in, oh, 93, uh, my wife bought me a book on the Feast of the Lord by a Jewish rabbi, and I never read anything by a rabbi before, and I read it, and it blew my mind. And I thought, oh my goodness, I, it's a whole new paradigm. It's like all of a sudden having like on a movie theater, 3D glasses, mm. and all of a sudden you start seeing things jump out. And so in 2000, uh, I started a congregation, my wife and I, and she, she thought a good name would be LCDI Ministries. So that's what we called it. So we've been going about 23 years now, and it uh, just grew like a wildfire, especially in 2008, is when I discovered uh, the Tetrad or Four Blood Moons, uh, and I was giving it all away free for six years, and then all of a sudden, a whole bunch of people started writing books on my material, <laughs> and a publisher said, uh, Bills, why don't you write it? It's your information. Uh, and so I put something together real quick, my first book I ever wrote, and I didn't take any kind of literary classes or anything, and I just put it together. But he had a, the, he was the publisher. He had editors that helped, you know, correct things. And uh, so anyway, that's when it came out was my book in 2014, 2015, because that's when the blood moons were. Uh, and then our ministry skyrocketed after that. But we've been live streaming for 10 years. So when COVID hit, we did fantastic. Because we were, uh, we don't own our own. We own our own office building, but not our own sanctuary, so to speak. So we ended up uh, not being able to rent. So we met in our TV studio. You know, which we had we had up to a thousand people every Saturday. Uh, but now with our TV studio, we were down to a hundred people. But we're now having two hundred fifty thousand people online. So the congregation just blew up every weekend we'll have uh, sometimes up to 30 300 cities and 30 nations watching live so but it's all because uh, they've never heard some of this stuff before you know even in our local congregation we will have a dozen languages we translate live to the russians in the sanctuary we translate live to the hispanics in the sanctuary we got a bunch of south koreans we've got a dozen languages spoken, and we have a dozen denominations. We have people from all kinds of walks of life that come. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and see, that's that's awesome. That's something a lot of people don't realize is us English-speaking people don't realize that that's only like 25 30% of the world. So you're missing out on a lot of people. Yeah. And I like how you said, too, you know, you, you eat the, the meat and you spit out the bones. That's something we say a lot on this show. And... I'm the type of person I'll listen to anybody because everybody has yeah, you know, exactly. bits and pieces of wisdom. You just got to take from who you can and go on and build your own mosaic picture, you know. And uh, yeah. But uh, before we uh, go in, uh, you mentioned the, the blood moons and the tetrod. Uh, explain to the, the viewers that's not familiar with that what what is a tetrod and a you know a blood moon, super moon, and uh, how those had an effect. Uh, back in like was it 2014 when this was going 14, around? Yeah, in 2015. Yeah, explain sure. the relevance uh, relevance sure. of that. Okay, uh, a tetrad is when you have four total lunar eclipses in a row back to back. Okay, without having a partial lunar eclipse in between or a penumbral. So simply, a tetrad is four 
total lunar eclipses, which are known as blood moons because the moon turns red. Now, what happened back in 2008 when I discovered they were coming in 2014, I, I knew from Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, God said he created the sun and the moon for signs. Number one, not light, heat. He said for signs. So what he did, he had the Jewish holidays be on a full moon and a new moon. So every month begins with the new moon, and it's only on a new moon you can have a solar eclipse, a total solar eclipse. Uh, so like Rosh Hashanah is on a new moon. Well, you can only have a total lunar eclipse in the middle of a lunar month, which is why Passover and Tabernacles is on the 15th of the Jewish calendar. So uh, God had it set up when they saw solar lunar eclipses on their holidays they were to pay attention well so i saw these four blood moons and i was wondering how often does this happen then when i researched it i went to nasa's website the last time it happened was 1967 when israel captured jerusalem and the time before that was right after 1948 1949 when israel became a nation i was blown away then i looked again and the time before that was like 500 years earlier it was 1492 when all the jews were kicked out of spain and so i'm going back in time and i'm seeing every time this happened uh, there were huge historical events that had happened with israel now here's the fascinating thing that most people don't realize a lot of people writing books saying different things, and some were saying things that I said that I never said. They totally misinterpreted me. But hindsight, like you said, 2020, looking back, what was uh, some fascinating things was 1967, when these four blood moons took place in 1968, it was exactly seven years. It was the beginning of a Shemitah cycle. And so you go seven years later. Do you listeners know what a Shemitah cycle is? Should I define that? Uh, I go ahead just for those that are not familiar, but I know that's the renewing and the cancellation of debt. And right, it's yeah. the seventh year. Just like seven days in a week, God had seven years. The land had to rest, and they would cancel all the debts. It was a financial. It's where we got our bankruptcy laws. We could claim bankruptcy every seven years. Okay. Well, the next seven-year cycle is 1973. Well, that's when the Yom Kippur War took place. So I believe the four blood moons, well, not only that, 1973 was the year of Jubilee, which is huge. It's the 50th year. And so I believe that the four blood moons in 1967-68 was a warning about what was going to happen seven years later during the that next Shemitah cycle. Well, what happens? I think it was very significant prophetically. Number one, you had the Yom Kippur War. But number two, as you know, earthquakes and birth pangs kind of go together when it comes to signs of the tribulation and they are going to get stronger and stronger. In 1972, there were only five earthquakes, five between uh, five and six on the Richter scale. But 1973, when Roe v. Wade happened and the abortion became accessible, that very next year, it went from five to almost 2,500. Oh, wow. It just boom. And so I, I knew that this was one of the big birth pangs, so to speak. Well, guess what? You fast forward 1973, 
That means the year we're in, 2023, you had 50 years, we're in a year of Jubilee right now. So this is the year of Jubilee. Well, guess what? 2014, 2015 was the last four blood moons, and I believe it was a warning again for what was going to happen seven years later, which is where we're at right now in this uh, beginning of a Shemitah cycle. So uh, to me, we're prophetically at uh, a very interesting time. And when you see what's going on in the world, you know, what with the potential of uh, China and uh, Taiwan, you got North Korea and the United States, you got Iran and uh, Hezbollah and Israel. There's a lot of different uh, war potentials going on. Look what happened with all this wokeism that's going on. I mean, everything. We're, uh, it's just, and financially, I would not be surprised if this fall uh, we see a total economic crash because that's typically what happens in the Shemitah years. And adding a Jubilee year, there also was a stock market crash in 73. You talk so about we'll the sevens, that uh, when the blood moons happened and the, the stock market crashes and, and all the, the, the correlations of the, the sevens, I thought that was very yeah. fascinating. Yeah, in 2008, that's exactly uh, right. And then 2014. So it, it's like uh, people need to pay attention to God's calendar. We're all on the wrong calendar. Uh, our pagan Gregorian calendar is based only on the sun. The Islamic calendar is based only on the moon. But God said that the sun and the moon was to control his calendar, and it was based on the holidays, the biblical holidays. And with the Genesis, uh, I think it was uh, chapter 1, verse 4, 14, you said that there yeah. was a common uh, mistranslation with the word seasons. Well, would you elaborate yes. on that? Yes, when we think of seasons, we think of winter, spring, summer, fall. But the Hebrew word there is moed. And that same Hebrew word in Leviticus 23, verse 2, is translated as feast. Well, when you think of feast, you think of food. So what does the Hebrew word mean? Fall, winter, or does it mean food? They're both wrong. They are both wrong. The word actually means an appointed time. Like God has a day timer, and he's saying, this has to happen on this day at this time. And so that's where the mistranslation, the misunderstanding goes, because then it goes on and says days and years. Well, that's not talking about 2023 or Monday and Tuesday. That's talking about the Shemitah year, the Jubilee year. It's talking about God's holy days. And so God has his own calendar. And if we want to meet, we have to meet on his schedule. We don't tell him when to meet. He tells us when to meet. He tells us when to meet. He tells us when to My name's Nick. I'm the owner of Kevlar Joe's and I'm the roaster. I'm an Air Force Security Forces veteran, a dad to three wild boys, and a husband to my wife, Crystal, and a coffee enthusiast. From a family in a small town in Missouri, we started with the simple idea of crafting a perfectly bold cup of coffee. Inspired by wellness and countless pots of stale coffee while deployed, we wanted to craft a bold, clean, and smooth coffee. So we did. And we realized we wanted to share this coffee with our friends. Lord knows we could all use a good cup of coffee right about now. From the farm to your coffee cup, there's nothing like a good, well-crafted, and bold cup of coffee. No matter what time of the day, it's there to pick you up, motivate you, and relax you. We hope you enjoy our coffee. Be bold, be humble, be Kevlar.
and you can find Kevlar Joe's Coffee Company anytime you want at www.kevlarjoe.com. And for listeners of the Dig Bible Podcast, use the code, all caps, DIG20, whenever you're checking out to get a 20% off discount. Enjoy. Amen. Uh, and you also mentioned, and, uh, I'll, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I just listened to that Sid Roth uh, interview last night at work and talked about how, you know, the devil is messing with the calendar and that even uh, yeah. Daniel says the Antichrist changes the, the times and the seasons. Uh, exactly. Yeah, I thought that was very exactly. interesting. Yeah, ex- I mean, to me, you don't put me on the spot, but think about it. If you're in sales and you have your schedule planner on your table and you go to the restroom and a competitor comes in and erases the time or changes the time and then he goes in before you, you know, you're going to miss that appointment. So I think it's important to realize God has a daytimer uh, scheduled appointments with us. And uh, if you don't care, I guess we'll go into one of, one of my favorites, which I said that the blood moon I've not read yet and I'm, that's on my list, but God's daytimer, it it gave yes. me a whole new set of glasses, and I seen everything just in a, a whole new way. It totally changed my paradigm, and, and I've talked about it and mentioned it on the show several times, but it just it blew my mind how, especially just with the the death and resurrection of Jesus, you know, Passover, yeah. you know, was basically I like how you referred to it as a, a dress rehearsal. He had them you know, exactly. slaughtering this lamb in Exodus in Egypt, basically foreshadowing and showing his people what was to come. You know, then unleavened bread. He was buried on unleavened bread, you know, and he was the first fruits, even as Paul says, of the resurrection. He resurrected, you know, on the first fruits feast. And then Pentecost, you know, was Shabbat, the celebrating of the giving of the law where the Spirit was poured out. You know, it's just all these things correlate with these feasts and holy days and if you like you said if you're not on god's uh calendar and timer you missed all the very important significance of that yeah that's so important especially when you realize that god is the same yesterday today and forever if he fulfilled the spring feast to the day of his first coming he'll fulfill the fall feast to the day of his second coming, and they have to happen in order. So the next feast to be fulfilled is the Feast of Trumpets. Do we hear about trumpets in the book of Revelation? All Hello. over. So, so the next feast will be the Feast of Trumpets, and it will happen on the Feast of Trumpets. You don't have a fall feast being fulfilled in the spring or in the winter. Uh, and so people need to realize this coming Rosh Hashanah, I believe, is highly, highly significant because it also ends uh, the year of Jubilee as well. And I love, too, you know, like, like I said, you know, before we, I think it was before we even started recording, you know, I, I was not raised Jewish. So, I mean, I was totally just ignorant to all of this stuff. But, you know, I read in Genesis, you know, that man was an inanimate object until God breathed the breath of life yeah. in him, you know, the the Ruach, yeah. you know, in Rosh Hashanah means, you know, the 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 breathing or blowing. Yes. And, yes. you know, and I, then I've read that, you know, a lot of Jewish rabbis believe that that was, you know, Rosh Hashanah, the day of breathing, blowing, was the day of Adam's yes. creation. You know, just all exactly. this stuff is just so eye-opening, you know. But, 
But if you don't it's care, so just walk us through because I mean, I'm sure a lot of my listeners, you know, are not familiar with you know the Jewish holidays and things like that. That to just walk us, you know, through those and uh, explain their significance and how they tie into scripture and prophecy. Sure. Well, for those that are interested, this year September 16th is Rosh Hashanah, and it falls on a Shabbat or a Saturday. So September 16th. Now, here's the thing. No parent would ever want their child to die, okay? But if a little child had cancer or something that's going to die, you know the parent is going to do every bit of planning that they can do ahead of time. Well, think about this. God the Father is sending his son to die. Believe me, he is planning everything. He decided, I'm going to determine what day he's going to die, what time he's going to die. I'm even going to determine what songs will be sung at his funeral. So here he had King David, a thousand years before Jesus ever came, wrote the funeral hymns that would be sung at his funeral. And so around 1000 BC, when King David is alive and he's king, he is writing the words that will be sung at Jesus' funeral. And it's Psalms. If you remember uh, at the Last Supper, it says they sang a hymn and went to the Mount of Olives. I bet none of your listeners, I can't say totally none, but I bet a majority of them don't know the song that was sung at the Last Supper. But I can tell you what it was. It's been the same for 2,500 years. They always sing the Psalms was their hymn book. And the last hymn they sing every Passover is Psalms 118. So here David wrote Psalms 118 a thousand years before Jesus even came. And so at the Last Supper, what were the words to the song right before he was betrayed and rejected? In Psalm 118, is the very verse that says, this is the stone the builders have rejected. It's become the headstone of the corner. Well, they sing it three times a day, Psalm 118, every day during Passover. They sing it at nine in the morning, the time of the morning sacrifice. They sing it at noon, and they sing it at three in the afternoon, the time of the evening sacrifice. So at the very moment when, um, I believe in Mark, it says Jesus was nailed to the cross the third hour of the day. Yeah. Well, that's nine in the morning. That's the time of the morning sacrifice. So at the very moment, the high priest is binding the Passover lamb to the altar. They're binding Jesus to the cross. And what is he hearing everybody sing? And uh, Josephus says there were a million people in Jerusalem for Passover during that time. Can you imagine a million member choir? And at the very moment they're binding Jesus to the cross and the Passover lamb to the altar, he hears everyone singing those last verses of Psalm 118, which is bind the sacrifice with cords, even to the horns of the altar. That's what they're singing at the very instant that they're doing it. Yeah, verse 27. Yeah. And then at noon, when all the lights go out for three hours, you know, well, they don't need their hymn book because they have this song memorized. But why here he is suspended between heaven and earth and they're singing another verse of Psalm 118 that says the right hand of the Lord is lifted up. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. And here he is, the right hand of the Lord being lifted up. And then, of course, again, at three in the afternoon, uh, the time of the evening sacrifice to kill the last Passover lamb. That's when Yeshua dies. And again, they're singing Psalm 118 over and over and says, you know, uh, the Lord's mercies endure forever. So uh, it's just amazing how God not only has the timing down to the day, but to the very hour. 
And so this is what we have to realize. We got to get on God's calendar because the next feast to be fulfilled will be fulfilled on that feast day. Now, I don't set dates. I don't know what year, but every year you want to go through the dress rehearsal. So you just like people rehearse at earthquake drills, you know, in schools or the volcano drills or whatever kind of drills, hurricane drills, tornado drills. Well, if you observe those feast days, you know how to be prepared. You know what to expect. And so that's why I encourage everyone on September 16th, uh, go online to our website or do anything, but find a group where you can go through the dress rehearsal. Because I believe, listen to this, at some point, because if you remember, Moses' tabernacle was patterned after the one in heaven. That means everything on earth is a pattern of what's going on up there. Every Rosh Hashanah, the angels in heaven practice the coronation ceremony of Jesus, the, the Messiah as king on Rosh Hashanah. So every year on earth, we practice crowning Yeshua as king on Rosh Hashanah. And some year on that very day, it will no longer be a rehearsal. We'll be immediately transported and join the heavenlies in a big part of the coronation ceremony. Yeah, I mean, if you read Revelation, I mean, it's it's Rosh Hashanah all over it. I mean, all all the trumpets exactly. and uh, the I mean, the, uh, the approach in the altar with the incense talks about the the, the prayer coming up as uh, as smoke to the yeah. altar. I mean, all that it's it's all there on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah, we see it because not only and I I'm not saying this is a hundred percent true. I'm just saying it's just a suggestion. The feasts are repeated repeatedly fulfilled in different ways because oh and i don't know if you heard my latest teaching but uh let me throw this in here right now too i know this is going to come as a surprise to all your listeners but the prophet daniel he was jewish shock huh (laughs) well guess what all the christians are aware of daniel's 70 week prophecy and there's one week left well that's the seven year shemitah week if there is not just seven years left, it's a Shemitah week left. So the tribulation has to begin the beginning of a Shemitah cycle. We are this year in the beginning of a Shemitah cycle. So if the tribulation doesn't start this year, it can't start for seven more years to the beginning of a new Shemitah cycle. Now, uh, I'm sure that's blowing some people away. But here's the next thing. Because it's seven years long, could the seven trumpets of Revelation happen every year? On the Feast of Trumpets is the first trumpet. The second year of the Shemitah cycle is the second trumpet. The third year is the third trumpet. So the Feast of Trumpets can be fulfilled repeatedly until the last great shofar. And and I talk about a lot, too, is I think prophecy is something that just doesn't get fulfilled once. It, it, exactly. It, you see it's repeating the, cycles. How many yes, Antichrists exactly. have we seen? You know what I mean? Oh my gosh, exactly. Well, Matthew 24, everyone knows Matthew 24, that's Hanukkah happening all over again. But if you never knew about Hanukkah, you won't realize that that's what's happening. And we talked about the birth of Jesus. You know, he was, you know, even if you take the, the astronomical signs of Revelation 12, you can put that into a computer software and it rewinds the, the, the clock, so to speak, and it puts it like at a especially when you put the moon at her feet, you got like a yeah, like a right. like a nine minute window on September the eleventh, yeah. three BC that puts it right in the Feast of Tabernacles where they celebrated that God dwelt 
amongst his people. Well, this time he was literally <laughs> dwelling with his people. And, uh, you know, it's talked about, uh, you know, there was no room left for them at the end. You know, that, yeah, and, right. you, and you put all the Jewish calendar dates together, you know, the, the angel of the Lord went to Mary and proclaimed her pregnancy during uh, Hanukkah. The Festival of Lights. You oh, know, exactly. The light of the world exactly. was announced during the yeah. Festival of Lights. I mean, all this stuff is exactly. just beautiful. That's also when the rainbow appeared with Noah's flood. Yeah. Right in the middle of Hanukkah. Mm -hmm. uh, so, now one thing I can let your listeners know, if they're interested in this kind of stuff, believe it or not, I spent hours and hours and days and weeks, months, but I created a chart that they can download for free. And I have listed every Jubilee year clear back to creation and every Shemitah year clear back to creation. So wow. they can know it's all based on math. I mean, it is, it's just mind blowing. And even you mentioned Noah's flood, you know, the day that he walked out to a, a fresh start, a new creation was the day Jesus walked out of the tomb. You know, Isn't that fun? Yeah, it just—I mean, to me, I, but I know everybody's different. But me, I'm a—I'm a why guy. You can't just tell me to do something. You have to tell me why I'm doing it and why it works this way for me to really get a hold of it. You know yeah. what I mean? And it does. It yeah. just brings a whole new appreciation. Yeah, it really does. And I think one thing that'd be good for your listeners—I'm assuming uh, because of your name, the the Dig Bible blog and podcast that you mostly have believers you know who are listening yeah well one thing that a lot of people misunderstand everyone says it will be as in the days of noah and it'll be as in the days of lot well guess what in the days of noah noah knew when the flood was coming yep. in the days of lot abraham knew when the fire was going to fall there's always a remnant that know and uh, this is why it's so important to get on god's calendar because it will happen on god's calendar amen um well the uh so we, we've mentioned the passover how that was addressed rehearsal uh, the feast of unleavened bread you want to go into that and well sure yeah on unleavened bread he was without leaven and so here he's buried on the Feast of Unleavened Bread. But yes, uh, he was unleavened. He was without sin. That's what unleavened bread refers to as without sin. And here he is buried as unleavened bread. And then oh, there's another verse uh, in the Bible that talks about how truth will spring out of the earth. And Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth. And he, truth, sprung out of the earth. Uh, and then here we see he rose on the feast of first fruits. And so he, uh, God said they always had to bring the first fruits of the earth to the temple. And what happens? He is the first fruit sheep that goes to the heavenly temple. That's why he told people not to touch him. And then when he comes back later, they can all hug him and touch him. But he just had to present himself first in the heavenly temple. Uh, and then, of course, Pentecost or Shabbat uh, is the... Passover is the barley harvest. Pentecost is the wheat harvest. And so a bunch of people were, if you remember at Passover also, a bunch of other people rose from the dead. 
and they were seen by everybody. So there was one harvest. And then at Pentecost, you got 3,000 getting saved, 5,000 getting saved. This is the, the wheat harvest for Pentecost. And Peter, if you remember, he said, these guys aren't drunk hour of the day. Well, that's nine in the morning, the time of the morning sacrifice. And the spirit wasn't poured out in the upper room. The house that it happened in was God's house, Amen. the temple. A lot of people miss that. There. That's why there were so many people. Yeah, a lot of people miss that. We talked about Rosh Hashanah and the importance of that. Uh, and then there's Yom Kippur, and Yom Kippur you see in Revelation 2. That's when the Ark of the Covenant is revealed, and everyone is in white. And when they all come back in Revelation on white horses dressed in white, that is a Yom Kippur event. I'm guaranteeing you that event will happen somewhere, some year on Yom Kippur. But the tribulation has to start first. Okay, so because Rosh Hashanah is fulfilled first, then Yom Kippur, and again, Yom Kippur could be fulfilled different years, but the main event of Yom Kippur is Israel will come uh, to the Messiah. They'll realize, uh, they'll have a revelation that he is the Messiah, Yeshua is. And then, of course, the next one is the Feast of Tabernacles, where God tabernacles among men for a thousand years, and that will begin on the Feast of Tabernacles. We read about that in Zechariah 14, where all the nations have to come up and keep the feast, or they get the and no rain. They have to honor him as king on Sukkot, Feast of Tabernacles. And there's a lot of exciting things about the Feast of Tabernacles showing fulfillment in the Gospel of John, Chapter 7, which is incredible. Which uh, we, we talked about uh, the Tower of Babel and how, you know, where it says that uh, he divided the nations amongst the sons of God, you know, the yes. Benai Elohim, and how we were under the the thumb or rule of these rulers and principalities where it talks about in Psalms 82. You know, we talk a lot about the, yes. the supernatural and I guess quote unquote weird stuff to, to Christians that, that passages and stuff that just, they just want to leave it alone or try to ignore it, you know, but we talked about the significance with that, how on, uh, Sukkot, you know, they celebrated the giving of the, uh, the law and, uh, how, they chose how God chose that day of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit and how they all spoke in the same language and understood each other in their own language and how that was even like a uh, a reversal of the Tower of Babel because at the Tower of Babel you know the, the tongues were divided and the nations were divided amongst the sons of God and how God was signaling to his people that he was regathering his nations and that uh, the the rule of these uh B'nai Aha Elohim that ruled unjustly is now over. There's just, I mean, there's so much stuff that's, that just lies beneath the, the surface there. And if you're, you know, and I mean this pun, if you're not digging, you're, you're going to miss it. Yeah, what's interesting, there's a prophecy in Zephaniah chapter 3, like verse 7 through 9, where God says he's going to return to the nations a pure language. There will be literally a reversal of the Tower of Babel where everyone is going to end up speaking Hebrew. It's just God's going to flip our mind and we're all just like it happened at Tower of Babel. And uh, it's prophesied that there will be a, a literal reversal of the Tower of Babel that will all be speaking Hebrew. So you can study it and learn it now or wait for the free download. Yeah. And you used to talk about, you know, how 
you know the truth rises up from the ground even with the yeah. uh, the hebrew letters you know um you know he said you know i'm the way i'm the truth i'm the life you know i'm the alpha the omega you know well he is the aleph right, exactly. to the tav and the very middle word because there's 22 letters is the mem right and that spells right. truth you know because he's saying exactly. yeah i'm the beginning i'm the end and i'm everything in between i am truth i mean it's just isn't that incredible? Yeah, I mean, it's well, you're, beautiful. Well, you're quite the studier. Oh, you're quite the studier. I'm telling you. I, and what's crazy, it, it's nothing but God, because I was your C average kid, did not pay attention. I did not read any book that I just, I had to read. And it was like in 2012, God just flipped a switch in me, and he lit his fire under me. And, I, and I've read hundreds of books and hours of podcasts and video you know documentaries and stuff it's just it, it's a thirst that can't be quenched and then there's no other yeah. explanation for it and i wanted to honestly just i knew how it, how it affected me spiritually and i wanted to share that with sure. others and i was like you know god's having me do all this for a reason that even if it's just to share with others this actually started as a small group i invited like 15 or 20 of my friends and some church buddies for a small group I had four guys show up, and then we had three meetings, and we talked about the three rebellions. And after three meetings, my buddy Steven's like, man, we're talking about a lot of profound stuff. We should be recording this. And I was like, I had just maybe started listening to the Naked Bible podcast with Mike Heiser. So, I mean, I didn't know how to do a podcast or any of that stuff. I mean, and I was like, no, nah, I ain't doing that, you know. And he, he, he rode me, man. And we finally, I finally agreed and we just just ventured off into the unknown and started doing this and we just had our one year mark uh the 28th of this past month and fantastic god has just i mean blew it up i mean our youtube channel we only had our youtube channel up for four or five weeks we got over a thousand subscribers and we got like 400 subscribers just on our podcast feed and stuff it's uh you know the, the harvest is ripe the people are ready to, to hear this stuff yeah, God. Yeah, it's all God's timing. Yeah, uh, God is the one. We don't save anybody. God saves everybody. Amen. All we can do is plan. Well, Mark, I ain't gonna keep you too much longer, but uh, man, I, I really, really appreciate you coming out and talking to us, and uh, love to have you back again for another deep dive someday in the future. Oh, I sure would love it. I just appreciate you and all that you guys are doing. And honestly, it's it's a uh, it's just fun. I mean, I, I love digging into this stuff and finding new revelations and the symbolism and all this stuff and all these mysteries in God's Word. So it's uh, it's just a journey for me. And uh, if other people want to listen and come along, hey, that's great. <laughs> well, tell me, have you ever been to Israel yet? No, I want to go so bad, so bad. Oh, man, you got to come. You got to come. Join me on, uh, I have one coming up this uh, end of October, the last two weeks of October. Uh, I'm, I'm doing a tour to Israel. And if you want to go to Israel, you got to go on one of my tours because I have special relationships with the Israeli soldiers. And we go to military bases and we get military escorts. And I'm a, a good relationship with the government, with the Knesset. And we'll go to the Knesset and people will speak to our group. But we're going places like nobody's ever been before uh, this fall. And we're even going to Jordan. We're going to Petra. Oh, I'd, I'd want to know. see Petra for sure. 
Well, if you can come, you got to go to our website and sign up. Oh, yeah. I'd love to have you. Boy, you could do a podcast from Israel. Oh, that would be awesome. Dude, it's a little, I mean, I'd just love to just go and just video all that stuff and be, there's just so oh much gosh. history there. I told my wife, my, my dream vacation would be to just take a cruise of the Mediterranean and just see all yeah, of that. that would, yeah. Just be beautiful. Well, Mark, uh, thank you once again, and uh, I'll reach out to you here in the future and uh, get you back on. You got some time, and we'll just uh, we'll blow some more minds. Hopefully, you can blow blow mine some more. I, I'm gonna get back with you <laughs> once I read that Blood Moon book, also. All right. Well, thanks. It's been great. This is Mark Biltz, and you are listening to the Dig Bible broadcast. Uh, I'm Pastor Mark Biltz with El Shaddai Ministries. Uh, my email is markbiltz at msn.com if you'd like to get a hold of me. Thanks for listening to the Dig Bible Podcast, the place where you can't lean on a shovel and pray for a hole. You gotta dig. Be sure to check us out on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Be sure to like, comment, share, and subscribe. Keep digging.